Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. The title of my new series that we're starting today is This is How I Fight My Battles. Yes, I know there's a song, uh, but let's be honest. We sing this song and we're like, what are you still trying to tell me? Uh, like, I know this is how I fight my battles, but what does that mean, how I fight my battles? Now, the, the bent on this series is very simple. Uh, all of us are battling something. Battle of doubt, battling shame, battling our past, uh, battling culture. And throughout the Bible, there are spiritual solutions and spiritual strategies to actually find victory. And I think we live very practical in our uh, day and age uh, for so many reasons. And I want to give you some spiritual tools in this journey to equip you to punch the enemy in the face. Does that sound okay? Uh, can I read you a Bible verse? Why not? Ephesians 6.12. I think it's going to be on the screen. What if you said no? No. Uh, there you go. Okay. Ephesians 6.12. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Stop. There are two types of people. C.S. Lewis said this way. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils, demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Stop. What I mean by that is like in this room, some of you, like everything's Satan's fault. Everything, like, you know, like, I was like, how are you doing? Like, Satan's at work today. I went to Starbucks and I was supposed to get two shots. I only got one shot. Pray for me, pastor. I'm like... Okay, 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 hey, hey. You know, um, I had this one youth kid, I remember talking to him, and I said, how's your day going? He's like, man, I, Satan's working today. I said, what happened? He goes, I was praying over my banana, and it fell out of my hand. I think a demon slapped it out of my hand. And I was like, you think that Satan's limited resources, he's sending demons around to knock bananas out of people's hands? Not create division and wars, but like, he's like, today we're going to knock bananas out of hands. Go get them, you know? Um, but, but there can be this, like, obsessive thought. It's always Satan, always Satan, always Satan. And when you misassess the situation, you're, 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 you're going to be in danger. I mean, even like uh, it was about six months ago, um, I, I came in the house. And I told Rachel, I said, Rachel, somebody stole our trash cans. And she goes, they stole our trash cans. I was like, yeah, our trash cans, they got stolen. They're gone. You know, and, and so um, I, I called, uh, you know, uh, our um, Republic, you know, trash can people. And I said, hey, uh, our trash cans got stolen. Like, could you send us new ones? And they're like, no, they didn't get stolen. We took them back. I said, why? He said, you haven't paid your bill in six months. And I was like, I was like, I didn't pay you. They're like, no. And I was like, I thought I had auto pay. They're like, your card uh, expired, so you haven't paid us. We've been calling you. And I was like, oh, are you the eight seven seven number that's been calling for the last six months? <laughs> and so I misassessed the situation. And what happens sometimes is, you can say, uh, you know, Satan's after my marriage, but really is you haven't taken your wife on a date in a year. You haven't invested in the right thing. You can say, you know, like, oh my gosh, Satan's after my finances, but I, if I just looked at where your credit card was spending money on DoorDash and Instacart and Aloe and Lulu, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're trying to have a budget, stay away from Aloe and Lulu, you know what I'm saying? Lulu's one of my favorite, I love their shorts, I shop there when I get gift cards, but I mean, if you're trying to have margins, you know, holy cow, stay away from Broadway Plaza. Anyways, um, <laughs> catch this, my, my heart in this series and we're going to touch on it this week. And of course, next week too, is um, a lot of you have been stuck this last season of your life, stuck somewhere at least, stuck maybe in a, a 
place in your marriage and you want to move past it. You may have been stuck uh, emotionally in a place. You may have been stuck in a bad cycle of life. And there's actually this real geographic place uh, in, uh, um, uh, near the equator. It's called the doldrums. And what the doldrums is, it's this place where back in the day, ships, if they got stuck there, they would literally be um, locked there forever. They could not get out and they would die in this place because there's no wind for the sails. And now once in a great while, if you're in the doldrums, a gust of wind will come through. And I want you to hear this real quick, and I hope you can see the spiritual picture. Some of you in doldrums right now, maybe not geographically, but spiritually. Maybe not geographically, but emotionally. Maybe not geographically, but in your marriage, you're in the doldrums. And, and the Bible is very clear on what God is and who he is supposed to be to us. In the Old Testament, the, the um, Holy Spirit is called ruah. It's, it means breath. It's the breath of God. And throughout the Old Testament, every time something great happens, it's when God's breath comes into the situation. The Red Sea was literally, it says that he blew from his nostril. Okay. How gangster is that? God's from heaven's like, you guys want me to split the Red Sea? Check this out. From the nostril. Okay. I mean, like, this is how cool God is. Okay. So, so he split the Red Sea from his, a breath from his nostril. And then throughout, you, you name it, even when the earth was created, he was breathing. And so, the, um, so over and over again, the breath of God is what creates and separates the, the, the good from the evil and, and, and delivers people. And the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma, which means breath. Can I just tell you that God's breath can do more in a second than you can do in five years? And so, so my prayer is, is that some of you who are just so practical that you would just start seeing the need for the spiritual in your life. And, and, and if you've ever been here, you know I'm a, I'm a practical guy. We teach practical things. We had a mental health panel on just the practical things on how to navigate through this, um, the, the journey of mental health. But today, I want to talk really spiritual today. Can I do that with you? Can I even show you a text that really is like... Um, it's just close to my heart. Um, when we came back in August, and especially even from COVID, I felt like God just opened my eyes to some things that uh, we need to do better as a church. And they were going to be connected to us taking back ground and people being saved and lives being changed. And this verse is not just a verse I share. If you've ever been to pre-service prayer, if you've ever been to team prayer, if you've ever been to revival night, you've heard this verse uh, many times because it's one of my spiritual life verses. It's found in 2 Kings 13. I want to read it to you. Um, it is Elisha's last miracle. Uh, king Joash is uh, a king who has tasted a lot of defeat, not a lot of victory. He's been rebellious. Uh, and when you are rebellious, you're not going to taste a lot of victory. And so King Joash seeks Elisha, a man who's had a lot of victory. Uh, and here's what happens. When Elisha uh, was in his last illness, King Joash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. He cried. Now, just to give you like a, just a little, just a little practical in the spiritual. Um, if you have not tasted a lot of victory in your marriage this past season, get around a, a couple that has tasted a lot of victory in their marriage and just learn from them. If you have not had a lot of victory in finances, get around somebody who knows how to handle their finances there's something about getting around the right, right people. Um, Elijah had 14 miracles in the Old Testament. Elisha, 28. And then guess what? Jesus, the most miracles. So, so he's getting around the right people. Hey, I, I need some victory. And so if you need some victory, don't start trying hard to get around spiritual people who know how to get to victory, okay? And so Joash gets around Elijah. Elijah told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elijah told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elijah laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded to open the eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elijah proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you'll be completely conquered, the Arameans at Aphek. 
Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with them. You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you'll only be victorious only three times. Then Elijah died and was buried. Okay, I mean, just, just look at this picture real quick. This, I, this is going to shake you a little bit. It shook me a little bit this week. And this is a verse I've studied all the time, but I didn't see this gravity this time. Now, Joash is a king over a nation. And his prayers are connected to the nation tasting victory or defeat. One man's prayers is going to impact a whole nation. Now, that's on the macro. Let's get to the micro. Picture a family. And the Bible is saying, if you as a father or a mother would not just pray three times, but pray five or six times, your family's going to have more victory, not less victory. Your own life, maybe just maybe, when you pray, because the reality is, is can you imagine him just grabbing the arrows? And, and, and again, if you've ever been preaching church prayer, you know how I talk about this. It, it's, it's three times. It's knocked the arrows three times. So I wonder what King Joash's even response was. Man, I'm a, I'm a king. I, I'm, a, I'm a, man of, a man of war. You want me to knock arrows against the ground? I'm, I'm coming for victory. Just snap your finger, do something. You know? and, he, and he tells him to knock the arrows. And so Joash you know, knocks him. One, two, three. And can I just tell you there is a high cost to low passion. There's a high cost. And, and, and if you would have taken the arrows, can you imagine Joash saying, knock the arrows? And Joash like, oh, I'll knock the arrows, you know. Bam, 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 bam. Just praying, you know. Victory, victory, victory. Elijah would have said, because you believed that your God could do more than you could do in your own strength, you now will have victory. But the reality is, is not a lot of us are great at knocking arrows. A lot of us are great at complaining. A lot of us are great at trying harder, being better. Uh, I mean, the reality of, of the, the other side of this coin is uh, our era and where we live is we look at people in Bible times and we look at them as primitive. We're educated. We're smart. We're, we're more, we have more tools in the tool bag. And the reality is, is that if you lean on uh, degree after degree or strength after strength, you're going to meet an enemy or a wall in your life that you cannot move in your own strength. And the reality is, is that the Bay Area is going to be impacted for good or a lack of good by how a church prays. <sighs> this is how I fight my battles. And if I could get, share anything with you today that would just pierce your heart. A lot of you right now, you're saying, man, I, haven't, I mean, you, you felt it right. And I've not been knocking the arrows in my life. Because the way that a job interview goes is connected before you get in that job interview to prayer. The way that a marriage goes is connected to not just taking your girl on a date or your, your guy on a date, but it's literally connected to the way you pray over your family and over your life. And so, so as we go through this series, I want to open your eyes to just the spiritual battle that you are in uh, that you did not sign up for, but it just happened. You may say, I don't want to, I don't want to battle. That's not, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what I'm down for. Well, I, I, I hate to tell you, it's not what you sign up for, but it's what you were birthed into. And, and we are in a battle. And if you didn't know this, we're in the Bay Area, and we is outnumbered. Uh, we is surrounded, okay? Uh, but thank you, Jesus, that what surrounds us is being surrounded by heaven. Come on now. And, and, and if we would just open our eyes and say, God, you could do something great in the Bay Area. And we know we're not going to transform the Bay Area because of our worldly strategy, but we're going to transform the Bay Area because of a spiritual strategy with spiritual tools and spiritual fervor. Can I get an amen for that? So what I wanted to do today 
was I just wanted to go for it. I'm going to swing the bat. If you, it's your first time in our church, watch my other messages. Don't be freaked out, okay? But the title of my message today is The Babylon Battle. The Babylon Battle. We're going to talk about the spirit of Babylon. I'm going to talk about spirits today and demons today. Talk about the, the spirits at work trying to have you drift away from God and to destroy you and dole you. Now, when you talk about Babylon, what is Babylon? It's the first thing we got to unpack why I'm talking about uh, the Babylon battle. So the title message, you know, today is this is how I fought my battles, the Babylon battle. Okay. So uh, what is Babylon? Babylon, of course, was a, a nation uh, around 600 BC. It was the greatest nation at that time, the most powerful nation. It ended up getting conquered and, you know, by the Persians and is now no longer to be seen. But for some reason, from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find Babylon. The word Babel in Genesis, literally when they built the Tower of Babel, comes as the root word of Babylon. And, and then you, it goes on even into the New Testament. And Peter talks about the, the Babylon city, but Babylon is gone. But he's talking about the Babylon city. He's talking about the spirit of Babylon being over Rome. And you'll, you'll find that in 2 Peter. Then you get to Revelation. And for three chapters in Revelation, who's ever read Revelation? Woo, that is a doozy. You know, like the dragon and the red whore. I mean, all these kind of things. You're like, I mean, like basically what Revelation does, it pulls the curtain back and shows you some of the spiritual war that's going on. So it shows a lot of spiritual um, uh, language. And, and, and three of the chapters is given to the spirit of Babylon as a um, spirit at work on nations and cities. And that spirit is alive and well today and at work today in our nation and throughout the world. So um, are you encouraged? Okay, 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 all right. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was telling Rachel. Um, so we just got done with Who Is This Jesus? My favorite series I've ever preached at Mission Church. My favorite series. I, I, you know, I meet with people, and a lot of times they say, you know what I love about our church? Is I just feel like I get so built up here. Because the world does, it beats you down. Religion build, uh, beats you down. But man, the gospel builds people up. And so I love preaching messages about just building people up. And so today's kind of like a hard hat sermon, though, from your pastor. Like, like I'm trying to prepare you for, for battle. And so I'm going to build you up today. But really, I'm trying to give you tools today. So uh, this was actually really hard to prepare. I, I, I was, it was a battle to prepare. This is how I fought my battles. Like, the irony was hilarious. Hardest message I've had to prepare in the last eight months. Like, one of those ones, okay? Um, and Rachel can attest to this. It was not a fun week in the Johnson household. Okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> I'd go on a walk, go on another walk, all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, now... Let me read you this uh, verse of Revelation 14, 8. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. So like, again, like, but Babylon's gone. It's talking about the spirit, spirit of Babylon. It's, it's like a spiritual narcotic, which I'm going to touch on in just a second. Uh, but Daniel 3, really famous um, story in Babylon. I just want to show you how the spirit of Babylon still at work today before getting the message. So Daniel 3, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, makes this gold statue, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, and set it up uh, you know, in, in the province of Babylon. And that just right there tells me that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar passes the test of self-confidence, at least. You know what I'm saying? He's like, you know what the world needs? More of me, you know? Uh, a 90-foot statue of me, you know? Uh, you know what I love? I love me some me. You know, he's like one of those guys. Um, like, oh, you're talking about something? Let's talk about me. Okay, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and isn't it interesting that would you say in our culture that what people want to give the most to everybody is me, the kingdom of self? We may not build gold statues, but we call it TikTok and Instagram. Um, our, our statue is built differently. It's built through tech now. Um, but just give you a heads up, that spirit that Nebuchadnezzar has, people are living through it right now, the same thing. Anyways, I digress. Okay. Um, then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, all the provinces. And uh, he goes on to say, um, 
uh, he wants to have a dedication, and he says, when the, the herald shouts, all the people, all the races, and all the nations and languages listen to the king's command. When the sound of the horn of the flute uh, makes a noise, we want you to bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar, a gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown in the blazing furnace. Stop. You're like, man, thank goodness. Like, I mean, like, we don't have gold statues like that anymore. Like, who would be that crazy to do that? I got three pictures to show you. Here's the first one. So this is in China. That was a gold statue, 120 feet tall. Uh, literally, that, that is uh, just got, I got, got constructed a, a handful of years ago. Uh, that's Mao right there. Next one. Uh, this is in Temekistan, 2015. That's the president riding in on a gold horse um, for victory. Uh, and just to be uh, uh, real with you, that's patent infringement on the Bible. Jesus is the one who rides in on the horse for victory. Um, but here's people giving homage to a gold statue to their leader in their nation, bowing down to it. Here's another one. This is North Korea. Um, and it's Kim Jong-un, and people bowing down, giving homage to another gold statue of Kim Jong-un. Okay, you can um, uh, take the pictures off. So you read it like 600 BC, you're like, that's primitive. Who would do that? And now we're in our era, and it's still happening. And you're like saying, thank goodness we don't have gold statues in America. We don't have idols in America. You know what we have? We have gold ideologies. We have ideologies that if you do not bow down to them, and not only bow down to them, but if you don't celebrate them, if you, if you don't celebrate, we will throw you into the furnace of our culture. I'm telling you, the Babylon spirit is alive and well trying to control and direct your steps. And the reality of how it works is, is the Babylon spirit, it's, like, it's almost like a, like a tide. It's like, it's like, it's like a river uh, uh, pushing you in one direction. And, and when you get inside that, the river, it's just so hard to have it not just have you drift and drift and push you to a side. And so you have to, it says in Daniel 1, I'll touch on a little bit on Daniel. I taught on the book of Daniel about two years ago, God is not done. If you want to hear, listen to that series, it's one of my favorite series I preached, uh, top five at least. Um, but anyways, um, uh, the, the book of Daniel, it says that Daniel was determined not to let himself be defiled by Babylon. He was surrounded by the spirit of Babylon, but he was being filled by the spirit of God. And so you can not just endure Babylon, but you can become great in Babylon. And not only can you become great in Babylon, you can influence Babylon instead of having Babylon influence you. So, so this is just uh, the intro in 20 minutes. Okay, here we go. we're doing great. Okay, la da 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 um, So what is Babylon trying to do? So I feel like today as your pastor, um, I'm, if you played basketball, I'll use a basketball illustration real quick. I feel like the coach showing you what the other team's going to try to do to stop you. You know, if you play basketball, like, okay, they play zone defense. Be ready for zone. We're going to attack the gaps. You know, like something like that. If you've ever been a boxer, I boxed for a little bit. Okay, uh, uh, barely, but I did box for a little bit. Geo's boxing, watch out. Uh, uh, um, but it's like when you're about to box somebody else, your, your, your trainers teach you, like, watch out for, he's got a great jab, and when he jabs, the jab's just trying to set up that right hook, and he's going to get you right on the jaw. So, so keep your gloves up. When he's jabbing, don't duck your head down, he'll hit you in the face. Your, your trainer's preparing you for what kind of punches are coming your way. Well, as you're a pastor... I want to show you what kind of punches are coming your way from Babylon. And if you know what kind of punches are coming, you can defend yourself from them and not only defend yourself, but you can knock out the enemy. Can I do that today? Is that okay? So what is Babylon trying to do? First one is Babylon is trying to dole you. It's trying to dole you. Revelation 18.3, for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. Um, What it's showing us that Babylon does, and if you study the book of Daniel, is that the Bible says in the, in the end times that there, the Jezebel spirit, there's only a handful of spirits that throughout the Bible that the Bible refers to, is going to flood the church. Flood the church. Now, God wants to fill you. The enemy wants to flood the, the, your life with, with the wrong things. So, so what the picture of Babylon is, it's like a spiritual narcotic. 
Have you ever been to the dentist or uh, maybe like had a surgery and when you got out of surgery, you were awake, but you weren't fully awake? You know, you've seen those videos where the person's like, bah, 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 bah. like, why are you talking like that? Like, like out of the dentist, like a bunch of went viral, you know, uh, kids coming out of the dentist. But I remember when I came out um, uh, from one of my EOE um, surgeries and Rachel uh, had to take care of me. And I don't remember anything. I just remember getting in the car and then I remember opening the door and I, and I guess I, was, I, I puked. This is when we were dating, by the way. I like, opened the door, I puked out the door and then she took care of me that day. Uh, I married her, so don't worry, it worked out well. Um, um, <laughs> But, but I remember, like, I was awake, but I wasn't fully awake. And, and what, what, what happens with the spirit of Babylon when it really gets in your soul is you're alive, but you're not fully alive. You're, 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 you're going through the motions, but, but there's no zeal to your life. And, and, and so, so Babylon comes in. It's interesting. If you look at the, the Babylon spirit, it doesn't come to destroy you. It comes to compromise you. It's saying, like, I just, you, you can bow down to your God, but bow down to other gods. You, you can live life, but live, live life this way. Live life divided. And a, a house divided cannot stand. Uh, that's why when Jesus said, when I came, he goes, when I come, and we, this is a very famous verse, John 10, 10. He goes, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, a.k.a. they may be fully alive. Uh, uh, if you've ever been to the dentist and you get your, your taste buds numbed and you try to eat something, it's just not the same. And, and so a, a lot of you, you've been numbed by Babylon, so you, you don't even know how to taste the goodness of God yet. And so God wants to awaken your taste buds again. He wants to bring you back to life. So the first thing that Babylon wants to do is it wants to dull you. And the way that you can tell uh, that you're dull is if you were in worship today and you just stood there and looked at the songs, you ain't alive. Oh, oh, that's ruthless. Can I just tell you real quick? Look throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is not like, we hear that, you know, like, Holy Spirit's a dove. Well, it's a metaphor for a moment of the Holy Spirit hovering like, but the Holy Spirit doesn't come in like, like that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? You look throughout the, the Bible, the Holy Spirit is fire right down. I mean, breath. I mean, it is, it is powerful. It is passionate. It's, no, it is fire and passion, okay? So the Holy Spirit, you look at, at, at Pentecost, it was not a little dove, it was fire, okay? Another thing you look at when you think about uh, the Father is uh, when, when, when the prodigal son comes home, the father isn't some like British posh guy who goes, oh, come into the house and let's, let's talk about your rebellion and see if we can get you back on uh, part of the estate at our house, okay? Like that's not the father, okay? The, 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 the father is this uh, uh, father who literally lifts up his robe and sprints with passion to find his son. There's a zeal to life when you, when you have the things you know you're supposed to go for. You run at it, okay? You don't talk about it, you run at it. And then, of course, Jesus, when he's on this earth for three years, you see his passion when the church is not actually operating the way it's supposed to operate. He comes in and flips the tables and the Bible says, zeal for his father's house would consume him. He didn't like, Jesus, Mr. Rogers didn't walk in and take off his slippers like, uh, excuse me, this isn't how church is supposed to be. No, Jesus came in and said, I'm passionate. This is my father's house and it will be a certain way. And if you're gonna look at your life, and you're going to look at your week. And if you're not waking up with passion and zeal, it's because the fire has been put out by Babylon. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm just, let's just keep going. I'm, I'm going to get through part one, part two. We got next week. Okay, sweet. Um, I'm going to give you a little history of the church real quick. And I, I, just, I, 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 want, I want you to hear this quick. So, so the, the, the church, you know, acts, it explodes and it's going great. Uh, so much so that, that Constantine, the emperor of Rome, becomes saved and makes the whole nation Christian nation. And you'd think that's the best thing ever. You'd think. But what happened is 
that once he made it a Christian nation, all the, all the pagan uh, temples became Christian buildings. Is the buildings ended up becoming what they thought church was supposed to be. And they would come and do this ritualistic thing where they'd show up once a week, and they would hear songs, and they'd hear somebody preach, and they'd go live their life. And the fire they once had to live for God Monday through Sunday became a once-a-week thing. And so the Desert Fathers said, this is not what God intended. They were so passionate, they went into the desert, that's what they call the Desert Father, and they just started praying. And the, the things that you read about the Desert Fathers, that they, that they fought demons and, and literally like third heaven stuff, like, it's like crazy spiritual stuff, like, whoa, weird, right? Um, so spiritual stuff. Um, but people would come up to them that wanted uh, what they had, and they said, okay, like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Like, like, like how, how can I have the passion you have? And they would just pray over them and say, would you light the old flame they once had when they first fell in love with you, Lord? And, and can I just pray real quick over all of you? Would you bow your heads? Lord, would you light the flame again? Would you light the passion again? God, as Babylon's tried to flood us, just like a flood would put out fire, the Jezebel spirit wants to flood the church, put out the fire of our soul, Lord. I pray right now that if it's a flicker, God, that you would fan it back into flame. A passion to live for you, a passion to love like you, a passion to orient our life around the things of the kingdom. God, that we would have a passion to live a life for you and you alone. And because of that, God, we would transform a region. Everybody said? Okay, uh, so Babylon wants to dole you. Second thing Babylon wants to do is Babylon wants to divide you. It wants to divide you. Look at this in Daniel 1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim, uh, reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon and placed them in the tre- uh, treasure house of his God. goes on. If, if I, for the sake of time, I want you to read Daniel 1 on your own. Uh, they take uh, the best and the brightest, and they take them back to um, Babylon. It's about 700 miles away. And one of the first things that you, you read about Babylon is Babylon, again, didn't want to destroy you. It wanted to assimilate you. So Babylon's um, strategy was very interesting. It wouldn't come into a nation and just kill everybody. It would just say, hey, we're Babylon. Now you're going to be Babylonian. And you're going to live like us and, and, and operate life like us. We're not going to destroy you. We just want you to assimilate and live just like us. And this is the spirit of Babylon, how it takes back ground. It does not destroy people, it assimilates people. And so one of the first ways how they would assimilate is they would take the best leaders of those nations and they would assimilate them first. And that what they knew is they had to get them out of their normal lives and normal surroundings. Because can you imagine this real quick? Daniel was living in a godly nation with godly values at a godly school, getting godly teaching with a godly family. And in a blink of an eye, he's now put in a godless nation with godless values, with godless teaching, with godless things being celebrated. In a blink of an eye. And the reason why is, if you look at it in Daniel 1, is that as you become a rebellious nation, one of the ways the Lord will, will refine us and discipline us is he will hand us over to things that we, our, heart, uh, our, our flesh desires so we realize we don't actually want it. And so in a blink of an eye, a godly, a godly surrounding turns into a godless surrounding. Don't you feel like America has just turned beyond godless? We're surrounded by godless ideals and godless uh, teachings and godless values. The things that are being celebrated are godless. So how do you live in a godless nation, but yet still be godly and loving? And the reality is, is the only way you're going to do that is if you find other godly people. And and, and so what they want to do first is they want to separate you by 700 miles. Because here's what I wrote down. You walk like who you walk with. It says something, you walk like who you walk with. I'll give you a silly, fun illustration. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, when you're young, you really don't like process your friends. Like I was friends with my neighbors. 
Just because like if they were next to me, that's who I was friends with. So, so my neighborhood, we, we grew up poor. Um, you heard me talk about that. So we were in a very poor neighborhood. Uh, we were the, you know, the, um, the food bank kids. We get food bank food and all those kind of things. So our, our neighbors behind us were drug dealers. No joke, like drug dealers, um, and uh, well, they had two daughters. One was Felicia, and their uh, older son, I forget the name, but like, like, they were like my friends, which was kind of weird, but they weren't my friends. Like, we'd get in fights a lot. Uh, they would steal stuff from my backyard all the time. Uh, and, then, and then my other uh, friends were uh, uh, Mikey and Missy. Uh, they were right next to us, and Mikey uh, always just had a bad idea. Like, he just always wanted to do something terrible. And so, um, and so, but he was my neighbor, so I hung out with him. So Mikey would, like, show up one day and be like, I was watching TV, snorkeling. We should go snorkel in the swamp. So guess what I do? I go snorkel in the swamp with Mikey because that was Mikey's idea. Yeah, and, then, and then Mikey goes, oh, I, like, he came over to my house one day. He had, a bag, he had a bag of batteries. And he's like, let's smash batteries with hammers. And I was like, okay, let's do it. You know, so we're smashing batteries with hammers, and literally, as we smash one, well, you find out there's like this really black goo in it. It's kind of acidic, aka it's really bad. Um, so, so we're smashing batteries. Well, one of the batteries ex- it kind of explodes a little bit, gets in Mikey's eye, he has to go to the ER. He almost went blind, has a scar in his eye to this day. And so, uh, my eyes are fine. I'm good. I didn't hit me. Uh, maybe I hit the battery that hit him, but I don't want to talk about it. Um, it was his idea. Um, so Mikey always had a bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. Um, one of the worst ideas Mikey had is we were watching Mary Poppins, and um, uh, yeah, 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 you know what's up. Um, uh, if you don't know what's up, welcome to Mission Church. Um, so, um, so we're watching Mary Poppins, and Mikey uh, uh, goes, Tyler, we should try to see if we can fly with an umbrella. Because Mary Poppins can fly with them. Maybe we can fly. So I, I, you know, I'm like, I'm in. And so I grab an umbrella, and I, you know, I'm in the backyard literally running with the umbrella, and nothing's happening, you know, like, like sprinting. And then Mikey goes, I know what it is. You've got to jump off your picnic table. I'm like, okay, okay. So I take the picnic table, and I, I run off the picnic table, and I jump, and nothing happens. And I'm like, man, I, we can't do it. And Mikey goes, I got another idea. You're not high enough. You need to get on your roof. And so, yeah, yeah, Mikey, yeah, 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 stay away from Mikey. Uh, Mikey, yeah, the spirit of Babylon. Anyways, okay, so, um, so. So I remember, like, getting on the roof, and I kind of got nervous. Like, hold on, time out, time out. Let's get my bed at least on the bottom, just in case this doesn't work. Um, and so, um, so I put the bed on the ground from our house one story. And I remember grabbing the umbrella, and I run, and I jump, and the umbrella <laughs> mushrooms up, and I fall, and I bust my ankle, and I just start screaming. I mean, I'm screaming. And my dad runs out, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, what's, what are you trying to do, you know? And, and, you know, dad, you know, like, I was trying to, I was watching a movie. I was trying to act like, and, and you know, he's probably going to think I'm going to say Batman or Superman. And I was like, I was watching a movie, and I was trying to be like Mary Poppins. <laughs> like, trying to be what? You know? Like, she can fly, you know? So he's like, oh, my God, no, no, no. So... So when you're little, like these are the things that happen to you when you hang out with the wrong people. But as you get older and you get divided and you get sent to school and you you sit next to somebody in class or you work at a place and one of the first things the enemy wants to do is divide you from godly people and get you around people that have godless ideas and godless agendas. And I'm going to show you real quick, uh, like, if you're, you're a parent of, of a young person or uh, if you are um, um, somebody who is actually a young person in school, I want you to hear this real quick. Uh, the enemy wants to indoctrinate you. The, the, the Babylon spirit is to indoctrinate you with the world. The spirit of God wants to give you the doctrine of the word. And, and um, let me put this way. Uh, there's so many different, and I'm, gonna, I'll just, I'm just going to let them go today. The spirit of God is unifying. It's its relationships. The spirit of Babylon is always trying to divide and separate. So, so if you start to fall in with the Lord, what you'll see is, is God will knit you to great relationships. 
So, but the spirit of Babylon will do the opposite. will try to destroy relationships and, and, and get you away from, from everybody and try to, to isolate you and, and divide you. And so what happens is once it divides you from people that would actually be able to pull you up when you've had a bad day, to encourage you, to, to, to stir the flame, to, 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 to um, remind you of, of the purpose of your life, those people are now, you're separated from. And so now it's, you are in this new river of Babylon. And when you get in the river of Babylon, it shows that uh, they want to take you and they want to indoctrinate you. I'll show you this in Daniel 1. Uh, Babylon is trying to indoctrinate you. Uh, then the king ordered um, his chief of staff to bring the palace, some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. They weren't trying to educate Daniel about Babylon. They were trying to make Daniel Babylonian. Now, it was three years of training where they were not trying to train him to, be, uh, to teach him about Babylon. They were trying to actually make him Babylonian. They did three years of training in the Babylon days. Now in America, it's not three years of training, it's four years, and we pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to be indoctrinated. I said it. I said it. Uh, that, that we let people with degree after degree after degree, and what it says in Romans 1, that these people got smarter, but they got dumber. That they worshiped the, th- the things that God actually created instead of the creator himself, and because of that, they became utter fools. Uh, you don't like this? This is my boss speaking, not me, okay? It's Romans 1. Um, but you need to hear something real quick. The, the, the Babylon spirit wants to indoctrinate you and have you think a certain way, act a certain way, celebrate a certain way, and all these ways lead to death and not life. Okay. And so um, let me read you Romans 12 too. Um, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is a good and pleasing and perfect. Now, that word behavior and customs, it's a Greek word of, of, of pressing. And so um, I'll use the most simple illustration of what the Greek word is trying to show us in pressing. It would be like a, um, back then it would be in the clay mold, but uh, they didn't make cookies the way we did. But imagine uh, uh, making a bunch of cookies and having, you remember those little cookie cutter things where you just press and make the same cookie cutter thing? Like, oh, it's Christmas. We're going to do Christmas trees. So you just press Christmas tree, Christmas tree, Christmas tree. You know what I'm talking about? those little cookie cutter things, and you would just literally cut out of the dough Christmas tree after Christmas tree. Well, what culture is trying to do is it's like a cookie cutter thing, and it's trying to take the Babylon ideology and spirit and just press it on your life from left, right, up, down, education, music, movies, and just get it on your life and say, you're going to look like us or else. And when you start to look like Babylon and act like Babylon, you taste the death of Babylon. And so, so it's trying to indoctrinate you. Here, here's, here's three ways it's trying to press the mold. And I'm going to give you actually three practical things that you'll see actually through culture how it's trying to press you and shape you. Ready? First one is choice architecture. Choice architecture. This is a real thing that psychologists have proven that if you want to nudge somebody somewhere, you create choices for them that there's no other way that they would choose the right option. They choose the option you want them to choose. So choice architecture, one, uh, one choice architecture cultural thing would say would be this. Um, are you going to celebrate me or are you hateful? So there's only two doors in this choice architecture. Will you celebrate everything about me or are you a hateful person? That's all I got. Those are only two options. This is what Babylon culture does. You're either hateful or you celebrate everything about this world. And, and, and I'll just, I'll, I'll read you. I'm, I, love, I love how Rick Warren said it. He goes, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that love some, to love someone means that you agree with everything they believe or do. 
Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. He's, he, he, he's, he's, I, got, I got two Rick Warren quotes because he's way smarter than me. Here we go, ready? There is a difference between tolerance and approval. Jesus accepted everyone, no matter who they were. He doesn't approve everything I do or you do or anybody else does. You can be accepting without being approving. This is the reality. One of the, one of the funniest ones during the election that was choice architecture was this. Are you voting Democrat or are you a racist? I push buttons. I said it. And I got one for you, for Republicans. You ready? So um, are you voting Republican or are you a communist? These are real questions that I saw and people were asking. It's choice argument because here's the deal. Worldly categories create worldly outcomes. And so when you have worldly choice architecture that makes you choose these kind of things uh, over and over again, we walk through doors of death, doors of death. But thank you, Jesus, that I am the door of life. There's a new door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The choice architecture isn't the way you have to live. If you don't think choice architecture is influencing you, you are very, very lost. It's everywhere. It's how they sell you goods. It's how they try to shape you. It's everywhere. So choice architecture is one of the, the, the practical methods that Babylon will try to shape you. Another way is re, uh, repetition reinforcement. Joseph Goebel, Goebel, he's a Nazi propaganda. He was a, a, in charge of it uh, during the Nazi war. He said this, report, re, uh, re, repeat a lie enough and it will become the truth. Now, we don't have propaganda posters, you know, throughout everywhere now. It's just, I mean, we're too smart for that. What we have is we have what we call hashtags now. And you repeat a hashtag enough, it becomes truth. Hashtag love you. Hashtag be the true self. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. And what's happened is we've raised a generation that lives off of hashtags instead of the word of God. And when you have a hashtag Instagram culture that literally over and over again, things are being repeated over and over again to them, eventually they start going, maybe that is the way. Until there is a believer who says there is a, another way and his name is Jesus. So watch out for repetition reinforcement. And then last but not least, here's another practical way that Babylon will work. And you'll see the, all, the, all these through Daniel. I don't have time to go through every, uh, uh, the whole book of Daniel today. Um, but uh, packaging, packaging. Another battle we'll face is packaging. Um, so have you ever noticed, like, you know, you buy a box at the grocery store, and it's like fruit snacks. And you're like, oh, these are delicious strawberry fruit snacks. And then you read the ingredients, and there's no strawberries in the fruit snacks at all. It's like high fructose corn syrup, poison, double poison, uh, poison red 40, um, uh, uh, next one to be like, none of these ingredients are allowed in Europe, but for some reason they're allowed in America. Anyways, I'll keep going. Um, um, and you're like, this is delicious, delicious strawberry poison. Mm, yeah, mm, good. Um, and so, so you eat these things. And, and for the longest time, we were not wise to it. And so a lot of people are getting sick. And so eventually people are like, time out. We want real stuff. We, 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 you, you fooled us. We trusted you, FDA. We trusted you, Food in America Association. And the reality is, is that, that uh, we, if you don't think people are bought by money and money is not actually pushing things, come on, just, just open your eyes. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just saying the root of all evil is money and money's driving everything. It's just, it is, it's a sad thing, but it's the reality of, of the, the way the flesh works. And so, so, so we finally wise up to it. So now a lot of people are reading their packaging. Now what Babylon does is it packages Love! Love! But then you read the ingredients and it's selfishness and lust and it's, 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 it's all self-centered. So, so the love that Babylon shows, it says love, but the packaging is all poison. It says, freedom! This is freedom! 
But then you read the packaging of freedom and it's do whatever you want to do and whatever makes you feel good. And the reality is that if you have no boundaries over your life and no protection, every, every don't that God gives, can I give you a real quick? Every don't is connected, don't hurt yourself. Don't walk past this line because it creates death. But freedom in Babylon basically says, do whatever you want to do, but it leads to death. So, so the freedom packaging actually read the ingredients and it's death. I could go over and over again of the packaging of Babylon and the packaging of Babylon is deception. Happy Father's Day. Okay. I, uh, la, da, 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 da. okay. Um, so how do I live in Babylon? How do I live in Babylon? I'll finish with this. How do I live in Babylon? Um, so, so I talked about how Babylon is going to try to shape you. Now let's talk about how do you live in Babylon? Um, there's different postures we can have towards Babylon. Now let me just say towards the world and I'm gonna read four of them real quick. And then, um, we're going to talk about how we can, that we can see the Bay area become everything God called it to be. This is not a doom and gloom message. This is a message of saying, look what's happening right now, even at Mission Church. Uh, this isn't supposed to happen in the Bay Area. Five years, what, what, salvations, uh, week after week, the, the spirit of hunger, the spirit of serving. I mean, did you hear worship today? Oh, my goodness. Woo. Oh, just punching the enemy in the face. You know what I'm saying? Um, so there's, there's, four, there's four different postures we can take. Uh, first one that some Christians take is I call it the separation posture. And uh, the most famous ones, of course, are Amish, you know, completely separate. Um, and basically what happens is uh, we don't have any, any Amish people, I think, at our church, but you can create a, what I call an Amish rhythm. Like, like you, all, all your relationships are only with Christians. Like you don't know anybody outside of the church. And so how do you impact the world if you don't know anybody from the world? And so like every, like you almost like your mindset is like uh, stay away from sinners because you can catch their sin. You know, uh, but you don't actually understand like greater is he is in me than is after me. Like, like you forget that Jesus said, go into all the world and pro- proclaim the gospel. But instead you said, retreat to the church and stay away from the world. So there's a separation mindset. And if you have that, I just want to give you a heads up real quick. You're missing out on one of the greatest callings in your life is to impact this world. So we're not called to separate. Uh, another thing is assimilation. Assimilation. Um, and this is what's interesting. In Babylon, there's three types of people in Babylon. There were Babylonians. There were godly people. And then there were um, godly people who started becoming Babylonians. And you will see this. In, there's a verse in the New Testament that basically says these people confess to love Christ, but their life looks nothing like Christ. And so, so some of you say, I love Jesus. But your lifestyle says you love yourself himself. You say, I love Jesus. But then I look at your life and you know, I love pleasure. I love Jesus, but I love compromise. You cannot love both. And the reality is, is you, you've assimilated and you're this person. You're like, I'm a godly person, but I live like a Babylonian. Uh, no longer will you live like a Babylonian. I'm believing God's convicting right now. He's not shaming. He's convicting, saying there's more for your life. Okay. So there's assimilation. We're not going to assimilate and just act the way that the Bay Area wants us to act like. Then there's altercation. There's altercation. Uh, these type of people, uh, they see the world as enemies to be defeated instead of neighbors to be loved. They just want to like, just walk in like, you know, it's like that person who, you know, they, they let's call her Sarah, because that's a really common name, okay? Um, I was trying to think, uh, or, or Beatrice, how about that, okay? Because um, there's maybe Sarah, uh, let's call her Beatrice. So, um, and if your name's Beatrice, I'm sorry. Um, so, um, this is that person who's like, you know what? Like, I'm the only bold Christian at work, and I'm the only one that will stand for truth. 
And, and, and when people uh, don't like what I say, you know, or, or it's this certain month or this certain day, I let people know the truth. And then for some reason, Beatrice keeps on getting fired from work and never gets promoted. And she doesn't have a lot of friends at work. And she's like, it's just persecution. And it's like, no, 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 Beatrice. You have, show no respect and love to people. You, respect's a one-way street for you. You think you're called to fight the world instead of love the world. And so you're seeing people as the enemy instead of actually lost ones to be saved. And so you're fighting them with altercation. And this does not move the, the, the ball forward. Don't be Beatrice. Okay, okay. Um, and then the last one, there's transformation. Daniel was transforming Babylon from the inside out. And, and there's this, this verse in Jeremiah 29. I'll read it, and then I'll, I'll invite the worship team to come up. We'll finish with this. This is what the Lord of the Heaven Army says. The God of Israel says to all the captives, he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. He's exiled to Babylon to Jerusalem. Uh, Jeremiah 29, you'll know that Daniel actually wrote, read it. He, was, this is actually, he referenced this in Daniel 9 about reading Jeremiah 29 and how it influenced his life on how to live in Babylon. And so it says that there are exiles in Babylon. Can I just tell you something real quick? You're an exile in Babylon. This is not your home. This is this. I love America. I love it. I'm American. But I'm a Christian first. I have an American flag on my house even. Like, like, like I, 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 when people hate on America, I'm like, why are people still moving here instead of anywhere else? Like, like, like I, Amer- America has a lot of flaws. But man, I love where God birthed me. I'm going to honor the nation I'm in. Like all those kinds of, so I love it. But, but the reality is, is that I know I'm an exile. I'm an exile. America's not my home. You know, like I, I, I'll, you know, 4th of July, I go, America! But I know it's still not my home. I'm an exile. Living in Babylon. So this verse, the Bible is not an old book with old stories. It's a timeless book. That literally tells us what's happening right now and what can help us in right now. So Jeremiah 29 is alive and active right now. So hear this as if you were Daniel. It says to the, Babel, to the exiles in Babylon, build homes, plan to stay. Don't move to Idaho or Tennessee or Texas. Build homes. Build homes. Stay. Come on. I should have preached this before everybody moved, but whatever. Um, my bad. Uh, plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Work for peace and prosperity. Don't fight the city. Work with the city. Work for peace and prosperity for the city. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare. It will determine you. I, I, pray, I got, got a little view of the, the, this valley, and I pray all the time, Lord, would this become the greatest region in all the world? Would people fight to get real estate in this area because you breathed on it? And if you're here, you bought at the right time. Because God's going to do something in the Bay Area. And so, 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 so he says this to Daniel, and, and, I, and I just, we can fall into a trap as, as believers. Every generation can fall into a trap of thinking that the way we take background is the church just getting bigger and bigger. Now, growth is great, but you look throughout the Bible and you look throughout the book of Acts, 39 of the 40 miracles were outside of the church walls, not inside the church walls. 39 of the 40. Read throughout the Bible, the people God uses. Very rarely is it like Pastor Abraham and Pastor Moses and Pastor Nehemiah. It was Farmer Abraham. It was, I actually wrote a list of them. I don't know if I have them right in front of me. I'm going I'm to shoot from the cuff because I, I got the word in my heart. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Um, so you, you have Abraham who's a farmer God uses. 
You have Nehemiah, who's a cupbearer, aka commercial real estate guy, develops a whole city. He uses them. He's got Rahab. She's a working girl. He, he still uses. If you don't get that, you don't know the Bible. Okay, working girl. You want to... Hey, yo, I'm making jokes up here. Um, Cornelius, uh, military. Uh, over and over again, he's, he's using people in the marketplace. Billy Graham said one of his last things he shared before he died was he said he believes the great move of God is not going to happen in church, but it's going to happen in the marketplace. Open your eyes. You've been placed in Babylon, not to be Babylonian, but to bring the kingdom of God to people who desperately need it. The, 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 the verse I was... Yeah, I'm going to finish with this. Ephesians 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility, that would be me, my responsibility, our, 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 our staff's responsibility is to equip God's people. I'm trying to equip you today in the Babylon battle to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I'm gonna touch on this next week. I'm just gonna let you know we're gonna talk about practical ways, but spiritual ways, how we're going to transform areas. One of them is you're going to start pouring your life out. You, you just don't pour your life out on a Sunday, but you start pouring your life out of places. It's Philippians 2.17. Pouring is a picture of, of you sacrificing and serving. I'm going to talk about that next week. Another thing that you need to start doing is you need to start pursuing God. I'm, I'm not just on Sundays, but you start pursuing God. Watch what happens to your life and to your family and what happens to the mantle on your life. The connection of how you pursue God, watch what happens. I'm going to talk about that next week. And last but not least, you need to start praying. Those three things are going to be things that, that even just this week, if you can start serving a little bit more, you can start pursuing God a little bit more, and you can start praying for this region, start knocking the arrows. Ooh, what could we do to the Babylon spirit? We could knock it in the face and create the kingdom of God in the Bay Area. Does that sound good? Will you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. We thank you for the joy it is to build your kingdom. We thank you that you've called us to a region that desperately needs to hear your gospel. And so, God, with every head bowed and eye closed, God, I believe that you are speaking to hearts this morning, that you're opening eyes, you're opening ears, you're opening hearts. If you want to say yes to heaven, no to hell. Yes to blessing, no to cursing. You want to say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. You just want to say yes to salvation. You're saying yes. I want, I want to say yes to salvation. There, there was something that I heard today that just tugged on my heart. And I want, I want to say yes to heaven, no to hell. With every head bowed and eye closed on the count of three, if that's you, raise your hand, catch my eye. One, two, three. Raise it up and raise it high. I see you. And I see you. Come on now. I see you. God bless you. I see you on my right. I see you. And I see you. Anybody else? I see you in the back, on the left. I see you. God bless you. Come on. Oh, God bless you. God, thank you for the ones that said yes today. God, you called us here. God, may we work for the peace and the prosperity of the city. God, may we love people well. May we not be confrontational this week or assimilate this week, but may we be transformative this week. May we transform places that are dark into light, that are angry into loving, that are in chaos into peace. God, use us to be agents of the kingdom. We love you. We love you. Everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.